Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, Nicole Romito. Nicole, what's going on? Oh, so much. Just getting into the holiday spirit. I have started baking my Christmas cookies, so um, I'll make sure to get your address, Eric, so we can get you on that list this year. Do you make snickerdoodles out of curiosity? I don't, but I will take a special request from you. Oh, man, that's my favorite cookie. I know you have a guest in studio, so I'm just going to jump right in. Bob, what's your favorite cookie? Um, My favorite cookie is probably chocolate chip cookies. I just like chocolate chip cookies, preferably warm. Yeah, you and my wife would get along well. That's her favorite as well. Nicole, I didn't mean to hijack your podcast. We're not here to talk about cookies. You brought Bob in for a special reason. Why don't you introduce him to the audience and tell me what you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we could talk about cookies, but we're going to talk about today. I've asked uh, one of my partners, Bob Westrick, who is in the studio with me today. Um, He chairs our investment teams at Private Vista. And so what we're going to discuss today is as we near the end of 2022, um, it certainly has been quite the ride for investors. Mm -hmm. So we're going to discuss what happened in the markets this year, what Private Vista has been doing on behalf of our clients, and then uh, finish up with a a few of Bob's thoughts about where we think 2023 may go. Deal. Sounds like a plan to me. Perfect. So before we dive into today's topic, I do want to share just a little bit about Bob for our listeners. As I mentioned, he is a partner at our firm. He is also a lead advisor. I do want to highlight that he is one of our founding partners. He earned his bachelor's at the University of Notre Dame and has his master's from the University of Chicago. Uh, Bob is both a CPA and certified financial planner. And on a personal note, he's been married for over 35 years and has two adult daughters. Um, Bob, I've had the pleasure of meeting your lovely family. What do you guys like to do when you're not working? Well, when we're not working, if it's uh, during the spring or, or summer months, we have a cottage up in Wisconsin we like to go to most most weekends uh, during that time. We do some boating and swimming and grilling and walking and kind of the usual stuff you do around a lake. Perfect. Sounds relaxing. I'll look forward to my uh, invite coming up here. So with that, let's go ahead and just dive in on what we're here to talk about. Um, As I mentioned in the intro, you are the chair for both of our investment teams, and we have an allocation and a product team. Would you please explain a little bit about what those committees are and what they do for our listeners? Sure. Uh, Those two teams, I'll start with the allocation team. And um, at the 30,000 foot view level, we um, we have a 100% equity allocation that we manage and a 100% fixed income allocation. And then a lot of our client allocations are, are combinations of those two. So what we do is we look at the all, for instance, the all equity allocation, we'll say, well, how much should be in uh, large company domestic stocks versus small company stocks versus international stocks? Versus other asset classes we might use like real estate or you know um, infrastructure funds or emerging markets or, or things or things like that. So we meet quarterly, uh, and depending on like what the market where the market cycle is at, we might make changes to that allocation. And we do the same thing on the fixed income side. Then the product team is what you might think. 
Um, basically, we monitor all of our products. We make sure our managers and our products are performing the way we would expect them to. And if not, we propose making changes and then we implement those changes if and when needed. If we find additional asset classes or interesting types of uh, investments that we think will um, augment our clients' portfolios, uh, we present them and vote on them and then potentially add them to client portfolios. That's great. And I do know that, um, as you mentioned, you guys regularly meet. However, um, that certainly has flexed as the markets demand. I believe back in March and April of 2020, um, you guys were meeting daily. So that is that is um, interesting and I think important for our listeners to know, even though we take a long-term view when we're managing our clients' portfolios, we still know that we need to um, evaluate what's going on in the short term to either take advantage of opportunities or mitigate some risk for our clients. And that's exactly right. And there are a lot of opportunities as soon as COVID hit, and that's why we're meeting daily. And we did take advantage of a lot of those, uh, those uh, opportunities when the market dropped a lot. We did a, a massive rebalance and then the markets came back fast and uh, that proved to be um, very beneficial to client portfolios. Absolutely. Great. Well, why don't we get into, um, I, I think, well, as we both know, and I think unless uh, unless you just haven't had any access to the outside world, uh, 2022, where we started out in January, is certainly very different from where we are today as we're wrapping up the year. I think we both know and agree we're going to continue to live in a very fluid world um, from any aspect that you want to consider it. But why don't we kind of take a little walk down memory lane and talk about where we were in January and then would love for you to share kind of what happened in the markets. And then as you were guiding our two investment teams, what are some of the changes from a thematic perspective that we made for our clients? I'd be happy to. Um, well, it's been an interesting, if not disappointing year for investors. And the media tends to focus on the stock market, but um, the bond market is a very, very interesting story to tell too. So let me start there. The bond market is measured by the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index, which is uh, you know, the kind of most commonly looked at index for bonds. It's down double digits this year, which is the most by far in my career. So you know, additionally, this is only the fourth time in almost a hundred years that the bond market is down in the same year as the stock market. Um, and certainly that hasn't happened in the last 40 years that hasn't happened. So that's very, very unusual, yet not talked about much. And why is that? Why is it that typically the bond market isn't down, the stock market's down? And basically that's because, you know, you probably heard if you ever listen to financial investment news, sometimes you're in a risk on or a risk off environment. And a risk-on environment means people want to add risk to their portfolios, which typically means buying more stocks. And typically, when they're buying stocks, they're selling bonds. So when you sell bonds, sell anything, typically it goes down and you buy something, it typically goes up. And if you're in a risk-off environment, people are selling stocks and typically buying fixed income or bonds. Now, this year, because the Federal Reserve uh, started raising interest rates and not just raising them, but raising them really, really fast. Um, the bond market was not the place to be. So as the uh, Federal Reserve is trying to slow the economy down, which is bad for stocks, people are getting out of the stock market, but they weren't putting their money into the bond market. They're selling the bond market too, because rising interest rates are bad for bonds. So you had both, you know, a very, very unusual year, like I said before, and stocks and bonds are both down this year. So um, you've probably heard that, you know, the 60-40 portfolio is dead, but uh, 
it's not dead. And I, I think maybe we can talk a little bit more about that uh, later. But uh, so, you know, rising rates are bad for bonds and uh, slowing the economy is bad for stocks. And that's kind of what we've seen this year. So, yes, I agree on the fixed income side. It has been an unusual year and certainly um, a, a different conversation than I've been having with clients for my 30 year career. Um, if for my younger clients, they've never seen the bond markets go down consistently because we're coming off a 30 year bull run on that side. And then even for my longer term clients, as you mentioned, it's been 40 years since we've seen this type of environment. So it's really been an opportunity, I think, to educate clients on not only your overall allocation, you made reference to the 60-40, which is a common one referred to in the media. But I think that really leads us to a great pivot to talk about what we at Private Vista have been doing um, in, I know, what we call our tier two or tier three parts of the portfolio. So maybe if you could start off and talk about tier one, tier two, tier three, just briefly at what those levels mean, Mm -hmm. and then what we've been doing to help mitigate our clients' downside participation um, on the bond side. Yeah, on the bond side, uh, tier one might be just uh, how much you want to allocate to traditional fixed income bonds, maybe intermediate term corporates and and uh, government bonds, high yield bonds, maybe some municipal bonds. In in some market environments, we allocated some to uh, international bonds. We have not done that in, in quite some time. And we also have a uh, uh, an allocation to a category that we call opportunistic income that we kind of invented about 15, 20 years ago, right after the Great Recession, 08, 09, when um, the Federal Reserve had driven interest rates down to zero, we were trying to find some investment vehicles that had bond-like risk, but better than bond returns because bonds were returning very, very, very little. So at our January allocation team meeting, we were anticipating that the Fed would have to begin raising interest rates to slow the economy. And on the fixed income side, we reduced our traditional fixed income, and increased our allocation to that category that I just talked about called opportunistic income because it has less sensitivity to rising interest rates. And as the Fed was going to raise rates, um, that was going to be bad for traditional bond-like products. Can Uh, you, just for our listeners, um, I know you gave uh, the reason of like how we came up with opportunistic income, but could you share um, a couple of examples of maybe some of the subcategories, not specific managers or anything, but some of, some of the types of things that might fall in that category? Opportunistic? Yes. Sure. Sure. We have, we have things, we have a, a long, short bond manager. What that means is, is most bond managers are long only, meaning they just buy stuff, buy bonds, they buy things that they think are going to appreciate. And we thought in this bond environment, this fixed income environment, if we gave a manager more, had a manager with, with a larger mandate where they could actually sell short or basically short bond managers or bonds that they thought were going to decrease in value, we would give them a little bit more leeway to maybe, um, you know, um, create positive returns, which they have. Um, We also have um, some things which are uh, not bond related at all, things like uh, insurance, uh, reinsurance fund. And these are uh, big companies like Munich Re and Lloyd's of London. And and basically they take risk from, from, Insurance companies like uh, you know State Farm and things like that, who may want to do more uh, hurricane insurance in the state of Florida, but they don't have enough capital, so they wanted they want to sell more uh, hurricane insurance, so they have to basically offload some of their risk 
And so they offload to these reinsurance companies. And uh, we insure, we um, invest our, some of our clients' money in, in some of those companies. We also have this uh, uh, asset, uh, it's a lending fund. And there's no mortgages in this fund. And probably the uh, average maturity of, uh, of a loan is you know, maybe a year and a half. You've heard of like um, companies called like Lending Tree and Lending Club and things like that. We can go online and, and get loans. And that's pretty much this company buys those loans from six or eight of those types of, of firms. And it's it's done very, very well. It's not very interest rate sensitive just because the um, the average maturity or duration of those loans are so short, typically like a year and a half or something like that, those loans turn over, that rising interest rates don't hurt it that 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 badly. So it's 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 investments like that, um, which do have bond fixed income like risk. Um, but uh, they're really not that correlated to the uh, the bond market. So as interest rates were going up, uh, the opportunistic uh, income category tended to um, to do a lot better than traditional fixed income dur yes, during I, this year. I know that certainly has been an area when I'm meeting with clients to do a portfolio review or investment check-in, certainly opportunistic income along with our traditional fixed income is an area we've all been highlighting as kind of the golden child or the star performer in our portfolio over right. the last couple of years. And it's interesting too, because I do want to just highlight we're not, this is all still pretty fairly high quality or high credit investments that are in these buckets. We're not really looking to take on a lot more risk in order to be able to get a higher yield or a higher potential return. And we have a little bit of high yield mm -hmm. um, in our traditional fixed income, but right. it, it's a relatively small percentage of the, uh, of the allocation. Yes. And I feel like in that area too, we usually stay on the it, it, this is a little bit of a talking out of both sides of my mouth, but we stay on the higher, we stay in the high quality end of the lower quality or junk bonds. We so. do. And we even diversify it between like a bank rate, high yield and traditional high yield. Traditional high yield might have a average maturity of, you know, five or six years. And um, the bank rate stuff is more like a one to two months. It's a lot right. less interesting. And a sensitive. floating rate fund. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so it is, um, I, we wanted to highlight that for our listeners because I think a lot of people think bonds are are boring, you know, the fuddy-duddy parts of your portfolio. For the past 30 years, that probably has been accurate. <laughs> they've, they've done what people have expected them to do, but as the Fed is trying to do their job and control inflation, it has been more of a, a interesting ride on that part of the portfolio. Yeah, and and bonds. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that the first ten years of of, of this uh, of the you know two thousand two thousand ten bonds actually outperformed stocks, and you know over a ten year period, that's a long time. Yeah, but a lot of it had to do with you know if you remember in the uh, early nineteen eighties, interest rates were double digits; they're very very high, and as interest rates came down over that time period, that was beneficial to bonds. Interest rates come down, the value of bonds go up, and so for years and years and years. Rates came down. They came down from you know mid teens, mid to high teens, actually down to virtually zero. So over that time, bonds did really, really well. And now bonds, interest rates at least, are on their way back up, which means that the value bonds have been going down. Yes, exactly. So it it has been quite a a like you said, a, a long time since we've been in this environment. Um, we ta already talked about some of the stuff we've done there. I also think too, just thinking about this is this is where when people generally, the, the media or people might say, well, why don't I just buy index funds? Like I'm not going to make emotional decisions. Why, why pay you fees, Nicole and Bob, right? 
So I think some of the moves that we've made at Private Vista with certainly you can't get a lot of the asset classes or the access to the managers and what we're calling opportunistic income if you're going to be uh, investing on your own. And then also too, we studies have shown and um, that really people left to their own devices, it's really difficult for them to manage their emotions and stay the course, in particular during like the markets we're going through and certainly the last few years. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, human beings are pre pretty much wired mm -hmm. to want to buy after the market's gone up and sell after the market's gone down. Yep. And we like to buy everything on sale. I mean, if, if that blue light you know, over at Kmart is on, you're running over to that, that, that table yes. to find out what you can buy. But, um, you know, on the investment side, when things go down, people want to sell. And typically um, as advisors, one of our, the most value that we add, it may not be just finding the best manager, or the best allocation, which does add value, but it's making sure that people don't do the, the wrong thing at the wrong time, which can take years and years and years to make up if you do that. And that's a lot of times just, you know, telling people calm down, Quit looking at your portfolio yep. every day. We kind of know how this story ends. And and I tell that to clients. I say, look, it's scary right now. I know it's scary. Um, but I've read the scary story and been through the scary yep. story many times in my career. And pretty much if this story ends the way all the other ones did, and I expect that it will, everybody's going to be okay in the end. You just got to be patient um, and just ride through it and let us do what we do, like rebalancing and tweaking allocations and things like that to find you know, to, to kind of find opportunities as, as they arise. I agree. I know. And when clients do call and they're like, what should I do? I'm like, quit logging into our client portal. Right. And, right. and I'm, you know, being serious because we're managing money for their lifespan. And, you know, I'll tell the client we're, you know, we're, we're not managing for today, tomorrow, or even the next year, this money that you have in the market, regardless of what part side of the portfolio it's on, this is your long-term money. And that's why we do have you structured in ways of um, uh, cash reserves. Our portfolios are still generating income, even though the underlying securities may be down in value on paper. Um, and I know our clients find that very comforting um, and it does help alleviate some of their anxiety and fear to know that, oh, that's right. We do have a plan. We, we knew, we know this is a natural and expected part of being an investor. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, other ways that you can, you know, add value during times like things you do tax loss harvesting. Yes. We've done a lot of tax loss harvesting. Can you clients. explain uh, what we mean when we say that for our sure, listeners? Sure, sure, sure. Um, tax loss harvesting is kind of a nice way of, of saying that basically you take something, let's just say that you've got a large company growth fund that you've owned for a while. And let's just say that um, you invested a uh, hundred thousand in it and it's worth $80,000. Well, what you can do is you can sell that fund. Um, you can take a $20,000 capital loss. You take that 80,000 that was in that fund and now you put it into a similar type manager. So your asset allocation did not change but you realize that loss. So you're able to take it on your tax return so you can save yourself some money in taxes. Yeah. And we do that all across the portfolio. And that's a great thing too, because those losses um, carry forward indefinitely. Correct. So if you can't use, if you don't have enough gains to offset them in this current tax year, you can carry them forward um, for future tax years. And then also you can take a portion of it against your, you know, your regular income. So your salary and things like that. Right. 3000 a year. Yeah. So it, it is, um, 
it is interesting that what we're doing on behalf of our clients and behind the scene where we can kind of make some, uh, take the lemons and make some lemonade and still help our clients save money. You know, and, and this year we've made a lot of trades this year. We typically, we, we don't like to make a lot of trades, frankly, um, but it's been such an unusual year on, on the stock side. Uh, basically, we, we just started taking some risk and replaced some of our aggressive managers with more conservative managers. And then, you know, a couple of months later, we started doing that in February. A couple of months later, we started down that same path. And um, a lot of our more aggressive managers were one of the ones with a lot of the, uh, you know, the tech stocks, the uh, the Microsoft and Amazon and Alphabet and and Zoom, you know, the companies <laughs> that did so, and Peloton, sure, right. sure. The, you know, the companies that did really, really well for um, the previous several years. And those are the ones now doing the worst this year. So we started trimming over several different uh, trading cycles at the beginning of the year to get from the more aggressive managers to some of the more uh, conservative managers. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's it's been um in- interesting and I really feel like we've been proving our value to our clients um I mean I I know we do every you know year in and year out but certainly during emotional and volatile times and definitely when when the world shut down in you know March of 2020 and we no one knew what was going on and things like that um I I think it did give comfort to our clients to know we still we still agree, believed in our plan. We tweaked the plan, but you don't change the plan completely. So there are some positive things you can do in environments like this. And just as you mentioned, I mean, we've been more active in the past few years than we would have the prior years uh, just preceding the pandemic. Right. So, okay. Is there, I think we've kind of covered what we've done through 2022. Is there anything else um, that we haven't talked about? Well, I mean, just other things in, in 22, yeah. just more ancillary things. You know, we, um, when, um, when Russia invaded Ukraine, we decided to take uh, to, to sell a little bit and, and reduce our, our allocation towards international stocks. And just the fact that we feel that we're moving into uh a recessionary environment, that's generally a bad time for small company stocks. So we reduced our our, our allocation towards uh, small companies. And also international, we we tilted our uh, towards value stocks over growth stocks just because they're uh, a little bit more reliable and less volatile. And we just thought given the uh, the environment over in, in Europe and Ukraine and internationally in general, uh, not to mention China, uh, we decided to, to take some risk off the table there too. Yeah, those are great points. And I know when we're talking to clients, certainly international, whether it's the war in Ukraine, um, you know, and is it when will Europe come back? Um, because they have other um, things going on as well. So the recession is is there. It's probably going to last longer um, than typically when we go through them. But I think it's important, too, that not even just talking about a whole region or even a country is the managers that we hire. They're looking at the companies, right? Because you might say, gosh, um, I know during 08 and 09, when we had the global um the Great Recession, and that was globally, not just here, you know, there were still companies over in in Spain and in Italy and Portugal that were still making money because people are still buying telephones, they're still putting gas in the car, they still need to... um, 
you know, wash their clothes, take showers, right? Buy food. Buy food. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important. Again, that's where, where we can share and kind of help people pare down the emotion. And most people can say, yeah, that does make sense. Even if we're in a recession, I still need to feed my family. I still put gas on my car so I can go to work or I take the train. There's always some companies that will be doing well in exactly. every environment. You just have to kind of identify that we we do here at Private Vista. We try to identify the part of the market cycle that we're in, whether there's typically you know four stages to the market cycle we look at. It's recession followed by early stage recovery, mid, late stage, and then rinse and repeat recession again. <laughs> yeah. And we know that there's some types of, of managers that do better or do worse in different parts of that market cycle. So once we identify the market cycle or the one that we're moving into or out of, we start tweaking our manager mix towards um, to kind of like tip the scales in the favor of our clients. Yeah, maybe you can give an example of, um, I'll throw out a category, but if you want to use a different one, feel free. I think like a large cap growth sure. um, is a good example of how- I'm glad you threw that one out because I was going to change it to that oh, if you had See, not done it's, that. it's as if we worked together for I many know. years. I know. Yeah, and like we were saying before, it's, it's large cap growth. Um, in, in our large cap domestic uh, category, when I say large cap, it, it, it's big companies, big companies that are domiciled in, in the United States. Those companies, we, we basically look at, at um, we have core, core growth, and we've got aggressive growth. And then on the other side of that, we've got conservative growth. And for the probably previous to this year, we had about half of our client assets in that category, uh, zero in conservative growth, 50 in core and 50 in aggressive. And that turned out to be pretty well because- the the core and the aggressive outperformed conservative growth for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Tech was doing great. Yep. Tech was dominating the S&P 500. Um, and then as we moved into this year, and like I said, we see the market cycle changing from, from late stage to, uh, to recession, we started selling off of the aggressive growth and even selling off the core growth. And now we're really overweighted in the conservative growth category. Interesting. So I, I think, you know, you've mentioned the word adjust, tweak, and even with your example, um, it's as a, as a, I would say a principal or one of our investment tenants here at Private Vista, we're really generally, we're not saying, you know, a hundred percent in um, large cap growth and zero percent in large cap value. But as you just highlighted, we're going to make some tweaks and within to stick with the large cap growth example, at some point, and we do and have had, like you just said, zero in aggressive growth, and then maybe it's 50% in the core and 50% in conservative growth. Um, but at some mix, or when we look at all our allocation models, our clients are always going to be having some exposure to large cap growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't change it. We just change what's within it. Yes. Exactly. And you know, other things that, that we do, we, we, we don't really consider ourselves market timers, but like on the fixed income side, when, when interest rates are at zero, well, we meet and we say, are they more likely to go up or go down? Now, in Germany, they did go down. They went negative, right? And right. Some other, some other uh, European countries. But, but um, in the U.S., it wasn't very likely that we we're going to ever, ever have negative interest rates. So we said, okay, assuming that interest rates go up, how should we reposition our fixed income to, to protect against losses from rising interest rates? So that's the kind of thinking and discussions that we have at our uh, allocation team meetings. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Um, cause again, for longer term clients, I noticed they've been like, Oh, you guys have been more active, you know, these past few years. 
And um, I said, yep, you're absolutely right, but we're still sticking to our knitting where we believe asset allocation is where you start unless something changes in the client situation. Um, we, you know, we typically say don't change your overall strategy, but one of the reasons you're working with us is so we can make the tweaks underneath the hood to make sure that we're getting you to the place where you want to go with um, the goal of having the least bumpy of a ride for and you, you to get you, there. You just brought up a good term on underneath the hood because, um, you know, we'll have be, be having uh, uh, meetings with clients, portfolio review meetings, and they say we're still 60-40, right? Meaning 60% stock yes. and, and, and 40% bonds or fixed income. And I'll say we are, but that 60-40 is very, very different from the 60-40 you had when we talked six months ago. Right. And that's like we were saying, you don't really have the aggressive growth stocks anymore. You have conservative growth stocks. You don't have the tradition as much traditional fixed income now. You have more opportunistic income. You don't have as much international. You've got more whatever we happen to have more now. But so it does change. You're still 60-40. Exactly, right. But it's different because the market environment has changed. Yes, exactly. So it ha- it has been interesting um and and the results are showing of how nimble we have been able to be but we're not changing our stripes. Right. Um okay well I think uh we're pretty good on 2022 and and what the markets did and some of the things private vista did on behalf of our clients. Uh I'm I know I'm getting this question a lot. I know you are too and so are other associates. What are we going to do? What do we think about 2023, which we're going to be there? And I can't believe it in just a a few short weeks. It's coming fast. It is. 2023, what's going to happen? And if anybody tells you that they know what's going to happen, they're lying or they are delusional. You're not going to pull out your magic eight ball? You know, know, Nicole, I I listen to a lot of different um, economists, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very smart men and women. Absolutely. Um, and there is really no consensus. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about, well, there's going to be a recession when, oh, first quarter, 2023. Oh, it's, I think Second it's going to be 20, half, 2025 right. for now. I hear 2024 yep. because, because, you know, labor has been so strong. They're like, we can't be in a recession when we're still adding, you know, a hundred thousand plus jobs a month to the economy. It just doesn't happen. Right. Right. So, um, and corporate earnings, who knows where they're going to be? I mean, the fed has not raised rates this rapidly um, in my memory. So we don't really know how that's going to fold out into the economy because a lot of times you raise rates, it you know, it takes months, maybe you know, a year plus before that interest rate rise actually affects that industry. Now, immediately, of course, it, it's affecting mortgages and housing right. and um auto loans mm-hmm. and things like that. But um that um that starts seeping into small companies that have to refinance. And now they're profitable when they had debt at 2%, but how about when they have debt at 5%? Eh, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. So um, things are going to be changing rapidly, and that's why we're going to continue our allocation team to meet way more regularly than our scheduled quarterly um, and keep an eye on uh, inflation, yes. um, the outlook that the Fed is giving us, the Federal Reserve uh, is, is giving us, and certainly come probably middle of January, once we start getting uh, corporate earnings, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. And the market, I think, is going to react pretty dramatically one way or another, which way, I don't know. Right. But it's going to. And, you know, like I've told clients my entire career, what we know is that we don't know what the market's going to do. So we, we basically put portfolios together knowing that we don't know what the market, what the market's going to do. It's where folks think they know what the market's going to do, that they get into trouble. 
Agreed. And the market will punish you. Yes. And I think one of the things we generally share with clients too, is the market's forward looking. So with, um, you know, if we say, as we've been talking to clients and the latter, well, the past few months of this year, as you mentioned, we've been slightly reducing or rebalancing from opportunistic income back into traditional income. And so clients might say, oh, are you think the Fed, the Fed's not done raising rates? Why are you doing that? You know, the, the markets know what's going to happen based on what the Fed is forecasting. And so a lot of that's already baked in. That's, you know what, that's really interesting. And and the markets are absolutely forward looking. Question is how much is baked in? Because mm-hmm. analyst projections keep going down and down and down and down. And I listened to a an economist this morning, I was listening to Bloomberg while I was getting ready for work. And, and he was thinking he and, and he's a smart guy, and he had a lot of backup um, data to, you know, support his his assertions that he thinks most of the Bad news is already baked into the market, and he thinks there's way more upside than downside at this point. But there are other economists who say I can exactly. still see another ten to twenty percent drop. So it's like I said, it's you know, it's everyone's, anyone's, everyone's got an opinion. It's any and it's anyone's guess or opinion at this point because I, stay I diversified. Yep, I was listening to a podcast uh, this morning as well. Two very smart money managers, and they had. Um, uh, different views as well. Hmm. One was saying we're going to go into a recession, and then the other one was like, absolutely not. So I agree. And I, I do one thing I do find funny or humorous is how many of us, um, and myself included to some degree, put so much stock into what economists and weathercasters or weather people are saying. Because when you look back and say, here's what I projected, or here's how, what, what I said was going to happen, and then what actually did happen. They are right less than half of the time. Absolutely. And, but yet we all still listen to them and, you know, pull pull up the weather app and things like that. So I just think that's important to highlight. And I agree a hundred percent with you that if anyone says, here's what's going to happen or things like that, we can all have an opinion, but truly no one knows. But I, I do agree with you on what you said at the beginning of our podcast today is you and I, we've seen this movie before. We don't know when it's going to end, um, but we do know that if you have a good strategy and you stick with it, it will it will pan out for you over the long term. Absolutely, you just have to be patient. Um, yes, please trust us. Yes, uh, we even though you may not hear from us, we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah. So with that, I mean, I think you you've given a couple of these, but are there any uh, maybe even if you want to review or add a few others, a couple key takeaways for our listeners today, Bob? Um, let me think first. Control the things you can control. You can't control the market. You, you can't oh, control it. That's a great so one. What can you control? You control. You can control your spending, right? You can control your taxes. There's a lot of actually good proactive things that a lot of people don't even know they can do come now before the end of the year to help them save money on their taxes. And if you're not sure what to do, call your advisor. Um, I, you know, they might have some really really good ideas for you. So, um, and also, I, I urge you to, you know, take control of your emotions. I mean. Markets like these, everybody gets emotional. And it's hard not to. We're all when you human make, beings. And that's when you make mistakes. Yep. That's when you make mistakes. Take a deep breath, you know, um, just kind of stay away from looking at your portfolio. I have a client look at their portfolio uh, every day. Ugh. And they go, I look at it every day. And it's still like, why do you look at it every day? Sad. You know, you, we all know it's down right. this year. It's not going to magically be up, up. So don't, right? don't upset yourself every day. Right. It's just not worth it. We know it's down. You know, just don't look at it for a while. It. I think we're, everyone's going to be fine. We just have to be 
a little patient. Exactly. These, these are unprecedented times coming out of COVID, um, geopolitical things going on in, in China, you know, Russia invading Ukraine. I mean, there's just, we're in an, in an environment that at least I've never been in in my career. I, I find it interesting, fascinating what's going on, but um, it's very, very unpredictable too. It is. It is. And this is certainly going to be a period of time that is going to be uh, interesting when you flash forward, you know, even 20 years that, uh, you know, the kids are going to be learning about in the history books. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and by the way, just, you know, other things, it's just like, as kind of, a, you know, a longer term professional, I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of bad stuff. I mean, I've seen the dot-com bubble burst. I've seen the 9-11 attacks, the Great Recession, the downgrade U.S. debt, you know, and the big COVID plunge. And, right. and there's been a lot of other things in there, too. There's bird flu in there and things like that. All of a sudden, the market's tank. There's been a lot. And you just kind of hang in there, stay allocated, stay invested, um, and we'll get through it together. I agree. And even though maybe some of these events, neither you nor I or many of our clients have seen these particular events, as you just mentioned, there have been throughout the history of the world, many big, unexpected, unprecedented shocks, you know, to economies, to the markets and things like that. So it may not have been COVID, but, you know, there was, um, uh, the Spanish flu back in the early 1900s. So even though it might be a different um, shock to the system, it, it, it the markets the markets will behave as the markets will behave. So I agree. And I think that's a great point to end on, to just be patient, um, try and keep your emotions out of it. And as always, you know, if you're working with an advisor, call them up. That's what they're here for, is to help help hold your hand during these times and help you stay the course. So I just want to thank you. Uh, as always, I knew you were going to share some great wisdom uh, and your ideas. And I appreciate you walking us through um, how you've led the investment teams here at Private Vista. So we're wrapped up there. But before we close out the podcast, I have a question that I ask all my guests, Bob. And mm -hmm. if you could live anywhere in the world, time, no time constraints, no money constraints, things like that, where would it be? Anywhere in the world. Anywhere. I probably the favorite place I've been to with my family is the Amalfi Coast in oh, in Italy. I love uh, you yeah. catering to me. You're maybe, like, you know, that's my homeland. <laughs> maybe Positano. You know, we love Positano. <laughs> so beautiful. But we still need to have uh, in this little scenario, hypothetical scenario, yep. enough money such that we could fly our, our kids and their significant others cool. uh, frequently because we got to keep the family together. If Absolutely. not, it would have to be someplace domestic. But okay. money's no object. Money's no object. Eh, Amalfi Coast. Love it. Perfect. All right. Well, that sounds fantastic. As long as the the coast has cookies, Bob. Be the Italians make very good cookies. They do. Yeah, and it, here's the thing: is if money's not a problem, just move all the kids and grandkids and significant others over there with you. Just get a big, huge house. Oh, I, I mean, like that. Good idea too. <laughs> That's always a catch. Do we want them living with us, or do we want to build a house separate? Which would be fine. That'd be fine. Ladder. Yes. Yeah, the latter. Absolutely. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much. This is fantastic today. Bob, this is this is great. It was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, obviously, you're running a good ship over there because you've got tons of knowledge. And uh, I hope the clients are listening. And I hope our listeners are listening. It's it's time to stop looking at all the portfolios. It's stop, time to stop listening to the media and all the hype that they're doing. And just contact your advisor. Find out what's going on. And have a conversation, right? Thank you, Eric. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 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 All right. Well, thank you both again. And of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romito. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. 
This way, when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.